Welcome to the Ozone. Hello and welcome to the Ozone. I'm your host, Jeff Hazard, Assistant Director of Athletics and Sports Information Director here at SUNY Oneonta. And for those of you who are fans of the Inside Red Dragon Sports Show from a few years ago, well, welcome to the reimagined version. Uh, our producer, Dave Giese, and all the magic and all the technology that he has at his disposal has created a virtual world for us here. Uh, we're going to be able to interview our guests in a remote situation so they don't have to actually physically be here in the studio, along with creating this wonderful studio that I'm actually sitting in right now. So thanks to Dave Giese with all his uh, hard work. The other thing that we're still going to be able to do is we're going to be able to offer our show in video format on our YouTube channel. But now we're going to be able to also offer it as an audio podcast, which will be downloadable from our website and other free podcast sites to your smart devices so you can listen at your leisure. So uh, welcome to the first show. And my first guest to kick us off is head men's soccer coach Ian Byrne. Welcome to the show, Ian. Thanks for having me, Jeff. We're supposed to save the best for last, aren't we? Well, no, we like to kick it off. You know, we want to start right on the top, you know. <laughs> um, so let's just give everybody kind of a rundown of, of maybe really like the last decade. Uh, you know, six SUNYAC titles, seven NCAA appearances, including three Final Fours, uh, multiple Players of the Year, Coach of the Year awards, Rookies of the Year. Um, we've only been back in Division Three since 2006 after spending many years in Division One. Can you Correct. maybe talk a little bit about how you've developed the program from that time and, and how you've been able to sustain this excellence? Yeah, sure. Um, you know, I think being here before we reclassified to Division Three, you know, being here as a Division One assistant then as the head coach, um, I became very familiar with the New York um, recruiting uh, market, you know, all the, the, the different teams, the high schools in the New York State. So by the time we reclassified to Division Three, and we were really going for just Division Three players, um, I already had a really good in, um, you know, in the state itself. So it was really pretty much continuous normal for me because I was already recruiting those type of players as a Division One coach. So now we just, I kept recruiting the same type of players and really the only difference was that I couldn't offer them athletic scholarships. Um, you know, being in Division Three, you know, obviously we prohibited from that. Um, and then I started finding that um, quite a lot of these um, young players would prefer to come to a school like Oneonta, um, compete for a division championship, compete for a national championship or compete to go to a final four, uh, as opposed to possibly going to a mid or lower level division one, um, never really having the opportunity to be that successful, um, play in front of the crowds that we really, we, we kind of built up over the years. So that was the basis of it. Um, I was very fortunate in that I surrounded myself with some excellent assistant coaches that were on the same page as me. We got along, we had similar philosophies. Um, you know, our soccer philosophies aligned as well. Uh, that can be hard to do sometimes in a rural area, finding the right people. So, you know, over the years I've had, you know, John Cook, Chris Seguise, Jeff Moore was with me for the bulk of the successful years and Johnny Hayen. Um, in addition, we had some really great ex-young players that stuck around for a year or two and they were, they were great bridges to the, you know, the players on the team. So we managed to develop this culture, um, of really excellence on and off the field. Um, 
You know, we'll obviously be prioritised the academics. We've never ever allowed the, the football, as I say, or the soccer to get ahead of that. And then on top of that, we wanted it to be a good experience for the guys. And um, we, so we managed to build that kind of a, um, an experience for the players where they can come to Oneana, focus on academics, have a tremendously successful soccer experience and let, have it be enjoyable. And then also enjoy being a college student. Um, you know, usually in the spring semester, there's a lot more time for them to interact across the campus. Um, we've had quite a few of our players go and do the study abroad programs, um, which is always great on a resume and it's a good experience for them. Um, so I think the overall program we've developed and the overall experience we can offer these young players um, is enticing to them. And Onion is a great place. It's a great school. I tell the recruits that all the time. You'll have a blast here. The soccer facilities are fantastic, and you, as you know, the crowds we generate and the, uh, some of the big games and the following we built in the community is really uh, pretty unique in, in the soccer world right. in college. So, um, so you're saying really the bridging the gap between being Division One because now you've been here, like you said. I mean, you've been here for 25 years now. Uh, bridging that gap really wasn't hard for you because you were already recruiting what I would call a high-level athlete uh, to play the game um, so can you talk about you know maybe you know during that transition time you know maybe some of the the players who helped you know bridge the gap between division one and division three and then maybe we can talk about some of the players that we've had in the program that have helped you maintain you know that success sure actually my very first um, division three recruiting class had probably 14 15 players in it um, and I think four of those three or four of those um, through injury or, th or through changing a major, ended up staying for a fifth year. And that was actually the 2011 Final Four run. So it was Jordan Flores, um, Mike Boland, Joe Sorrento, uh, Ray Fitzpatrick. It was a really great group that we had there. Um, and I, I, think, I think even the players, the, the, the New York State players that we'd had in Division One, they became great references for us. Um, even though, you know, we played two years under the reclassification banner, so we weren't eligible for any postseason competition. So it was a little tough for some of those players. But you get people like Mike Mahoney, Derek, um, uh, Sonny, uh, that stayed and played those two years. Keith Mansuck's another one. Um, and that group, Ryan Grady, McMillan, they stayed and played the two years in Division Three when they could have moved on and gone to possibly play in other Division One. Um, programs and so I think the just that um, reference of having those guys that they liked it here so much that rather than transfer even to another SUNYAC in the Division 3 conference rather than go and play there for two years they would rather stay here and not compete because they really enjoyed what we had and the environment we had here so um, I think straight away our very first year we were eligible to compete we finished fourth in the conference and we hosted the 4-5 game um, we actually lost it that year. Um, the second year we were eligible, we hosted the 4-5 game. We won it, went to the conference final four. And then the year after that, we were the one seed. And, I mean, pretty much we've been the one or two, I think, nearly every other year, except for maybe one year, two years ago. Um, we had a bit of a rough stretch by our standards and um, ended up being the fourth seed again. But we've never been out of the, the fourth seed, lower than the fourth seed in all the time we've been here. And so, you know, we, I was lucky. I got a really good jump on that group of young guys coming in and starting us off on the right foot as a Division Three program. Right. And really, we just built from there, you know. Right. So, um, 
can you compare the two levels? I mean, obviously, you know, I mean, we've had some, <laughs> we've had some pretty amazing players, you know what I'm saying? And like you said, those guys that stayed on because they enjoyed the experience and the campus and all that. Um, I mean, is there really any comparison between the two levels? I mean, what's the difference between one and three? We beat those teams yeah. we had back in Division <laughs> One, and that's coming from all of those, you know, all the alums that come back and watch the game, and they're just blown away how good the players are that we've had, particularly the last ten years. You know, the the teams that have been winning right. the conferences and going to Final Fours. I mean, those are really, you know, those are. I would say. 67% of those players could be on Division One rosters. You know, now, would they start as freshmen? Would they, you know, be starting on top 10 Division One programs? No, they wouldn't. But, um, you know, they could potentially make those rosters. Um, but, you know, your middle-of-the-road Division One or low-end Division Three uh, teams, most of these guys would be on those rosters, definitely. Right. Yeah. So what do you think makes the experience so rewarding for them? I mean, you know, I know... Yeah, we'll talk a little bit about your style of play too, and how you, you know, when you're recruiting, you try and fit these guys into the style that you, you know, that you want to play. But what right. do you think makes the experience here about Oneana soccer? Why, why do people want to come and play? I think when they see the facility, first of all, um, you know, we when it used to be grass when we first started, with we rebuilt that facility probably 12 years ago. Um, the field on in the middle of campus. Um, it was a great grass field, but of course, when we started playing late into these NCAA events and the weather, it was just impossible to keep that pitch um, the way you would want it for soccer. So when we when we switched it over to the field turf, um, we were very lucky that the college um, went with the Revolution, which is the soccer field turf, which is a longer strand. Uh, most of the colleges today go with the shorter one, which um, you know the ball doesn't play as it plays way quicker. Not as true as the the, the surface we have, which checks up and plays like a real, plays like a grass pitch. So I think that was a, a huge factor. Um, it's a proper full-size soccer field. The actual design and style of it, it's just a, or, you know, it's a stunning event, uh, venue. Um, and with the crowds and with the sunken pitch and the crowd and the atmosphere. So when these recruits are coming up and they're watching us and they're watching the style of play and they're seeing the crowd and how everybody's into it and, um, you know, they just, I think it's really, really attractive to a young guy. Right. And um, I think also the fact that Oneonta has always been a soccer town. I mean, I've, the number of people I've met that told me way back in the 70s and 80s, they used to drive up to Oneonta to watch Mayor's Cup and there would be 7,000 people at the games. And, you know, Oneonta and our crosstown rival Hartwick were the two big programs. Um, you know, we went to a couple of Final Fours as a Division One program right. back in the day. Right. Um, so, you know, we used to have the Hall of Fame, the Soccer Hall of Fame in town. So there's always been a huge soccer culture in Oneonta and in our college. And, you know, that's unique because you'll go to most schools and they've got football and that's the show or they've got potentially ice hockey and, you know, basketball's great here, but it's a winter sport. Um, and, you know, they've the success we've had really following on from the success our women's teams had prior to us um, I think that's a big factor in the uniqueness of Oneana and Oneana soccer. Right. So, um, you know, part of the whole package is is certainly, uh, you know, the service, community service, the academics uh, here yeah. at Oneonta. I mean, how does that weave into what you do with your with your team? Yeah, I mean, it's a, you know, we give a, offer a broad based experience. So obviously, we're um, we we always put academics first. I mean, that's the key for these these young guys get a foundation in their life, get the undergrad degree, 
Um, you know, some of them come in, they're not sure what they want to study. Um, we're very fortunate. We've got Joanne Murphy, um, who's, you know, a real soccer, soccer nut. Unfortunately, she supports Chelsea, but um, we excuse her for that. But she does a tremendous job taking care of the, the boys, all the academics. She's a great resource for their parents. Um, you know, she's at all our games. Um, she's one of our biggest fans. So from that side... Um, she really provides a great experience, you know, doing time, you know, time management workshops with the guys, planning, uh, picking classes, discussing minors, you know, how do we make these guys attractive once they graduate to other grad schools or, you know, in, in, in their line of study, um, finding jobs. Um, you know, a lot, of them, a lot of the young guys come in and their, their dreams are to play for the Red Bull and play in the MLS or go overseas. And, uh, you know, I like that. I like to hear that in these young young boys. But, um, you know, the reality is we're, we're preparing them to go into the, you know, the real world and the job force. And we've got to make sure when they come out of here, you know, they've got direction and they've got a foundation behind them. So the academics is that number one piece. Um, and then, you know, it is a strong community. Um, we go out, we rake leaves, we shovel snow, we do community projects. Um, you know, we have quite a few of the uh, retired faculty to request our guys to come out. Um, just last weekend, we had four of our guys go and volunteer at the, the local country club for a big, it was the local YMCA tournament, the hospice event. So the guys went and volunteered to work down there. Um, they snuck a couple of free rounds of golf out of it, so they're happy with that. But um, we're always looking to get out in the community, as are all the other programs here. You know, as you know, coming from yourself right. and Tracy, the theatre director, um, that's a huge mandate for us to be visible in the community and, um, you know, supporting the local people. Right. Now, um, let's talk a little bit about your style of play, um, you know, because, you know, when people do watch us play, I think one of the reasons why they love coming and, and seeing us is because they just enjoy the way we play. Yeah. So can you talk a little bit about the style and how when you're recruiting, you know, you're looking for guys that can fit into that style? Yeah, I decided a long time ago we were going to play. Um, and it, it's funny, you'll go watch a Division One game and the ball's hardly ever on the ground. I mean, you know, it's just going back to front, back to front, challenges, you know, teams feeding off knockdowns and second pieces. And, you know, I as a player, I hated that because I was a ball player and a small, skillful type of centre midfield player. So that's the way I wanted my teams to play, get the ball down, play out of the back, go forward, attack. Um, and we look for those type of players that... You know, have a good first touch, are aware, good vision, play quickly, move the ball. It's And it's exciting to watch. And, um, you know, sometimes you're on the sideline, you don't realize it as a coach because you're so caught up in the game and the stress and the emotion. But um, it was really, really eye-opening to me last year. You know, our assistant coach, Jeff Moore, who was with me for the longest time, he took the job at SUNY Morrisville. And he came to our semi-final here last year. We hosted um, Cortland in the semi-final. And he came and watched the game. And... You know, he's over afterwards and he was saying to me, he says, you've got no idea how exciting it is watching your team. It's like, I feel like you're going to score every time you go forward and you attack. You know, because sometimes as a coach, you the other team have the ball, the other team attacking, you think they're going to score. And um, so it was kind of refreshing to hear. But we get so many compliments from alums on just the way the team, our team plays and attacks. And, um, you know, it's very rare, even, even within our conference, you know, there's some good young coaches coming to the conference now that are trying to play. But... There's also a lot of very, very direct, you know, I don't want to call it, uh, uh, um, un, uh, you know, 
it's just not pretty to the top and just kind of yeah it's it's, it's just not the way we play just lots of physicality and um, playing percentages but you know we're going to stick to what we what's worked for us what we do what we believe in and i think that's i think it's attractive to um to young recruits they want to come and play their way so um i know it's tough because you've had almost 25 years of of seeing players and recruiting players and having them in the program uh, there may be like three or four that you think are the ones that kind of are the link pins to the program. You know what I'm saying? Like the, you know, obviously last year we had yeah. Whitman and Whitman was like sure. the greatest sure. thing that we probably yeah, sure. ever saw. You know what I mean? At least during my sure. time, you know what I mean? But I'm some trying of those, to get him back for another year. Yeah. <laughs> wouldn't that be I'm something? trying to get him back for another year. <laughs> um, so can you maybe talk about some of those, those link pin kind of guys? Yeah, sure. Um, you know, I think moving into, I mentioned them already, you know, the Bolands, the uh, um, Eric Fortier's, that was a great class. Eric Fortier, Jeff Christian, Dan Scott, Ian Tenza. Um, I saw those four playing on one team, um, loved all four of them, and they came in, and they were a real backbone. Uh, they walked in and started straight away. They had a high pedigree. They were Division One recruits that were on that fringe of, do I go to an Albany, do I go to Stony Brook or, you know, and I think fortunately for me, they ended up playing on the same club team as a senior. They all liked it. They kind of enjoyed what O'Neill was offering them. So they all decided as a group to come in and, you know, they were the first platform that we had to build off. Um, And then we had groups coming through after that. Um, I think particularly that um, 2012 class we had, um, you know, they came in, that was the Dylan Williams, Jake Sutherland, um, Jared Van Brunt, um, Sean Vinbergs, Alex Winiarski, Volpe. Uh, I mean, that class was stacked. Yeah. Um, I go back and look at it all the time, go back <laughs> and look at the group. Um, but it's amazing how many players we actually hit on in that group that really yeah. were phenomenal. And that was the springboard, their junior, senior year, we did the 14-15 final fours. Um, so that was a really great group right there. And then I think of them, you know, some of the players we've had over the last couple of years, you know, obviously Roberto and Whitman, they special players. Um, you know, we had that group of the Cibolero brothers. Yeah. We had, uh, you know, they were really, really tremendous players. Um, we did really well with two young guys that came over from Binghamton, um, Jason um, and uh, oh, the centre forward who was the player of the year, um, conference tournament player of the year. Uh, Luke, Luke Halberg. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we did really well with him. They came over and they were really, really good players. Um, they were part of that group that we took to Barcelona in the spring. I think it was 13. So they came in. Unfortunately, they graduated, missed the run in 14, 15. But I think they were very, very good coming from Binghamton. And I think um, just with their professionalism. And right. I think uh, and that level of play. Learned with them as well. Yeah, they were tremendous. Yeah. And then looking at, you know, we've got Scott Sebo now, I mentioned Roberto, um, you know, in this recruiting class we just brought in last year with some really good players in there. Um, you know, we had Hannah and uh, Ian Zangara came in, Nate Hannah and Zangara came from Syracuse. Um, Malcolm Sweat we got from, you know, Long Island. And then Ethan Brunel and Luke Fetchy. Those five started a lot of the games last year, you know. And then, um, you know, round out the class, there's a couple other really good ones in there. Got young Gio, uh, Jake Westad, yeah. It's a good class. I'm hoping that's going to rival the 2012 group, but you never know. Yeah, uh, It's not easy to predict. And then we've got a sophomore group with Tristan Battistoni, Matt Howe, AJ, Jeremy Pantoni. Right. Uh, that's a really, really great foursome right there that became roommates, good friends, and they're pretty much leading and driving the team right now. Yeah. 
So um, earlier you mentioned, uh, you know, the style of play and how it was the kind of game that you enjoyed playing as a youth. Um, you know, probably a lot of people don't know that you grew up in South Africa, which, yeah. you know, that's international soccer, like that's football, you know. Um, so can you talk about maybe that influence of how you played? Because you did progress to a high level, you know, in South Africa. Um, you know, so can, maybe you can talk about how that maybe have influenced the fact of why you established the way that you want to play now. Yeah, no, sure. I think, um, you know, my father played in England for 20 years. So at the end of his career, we went to South Africa. They would go over there and they would you know, just make a paycheck for a couple more years as the legs were going. So um, I ended up really being raised in Durban, South Africa. Um, very, very hot climate, very, very similar to Florida, you know, that type of place. Um, and the football in, in Africa, because of the heat and because of the weather, it tends to be a slower technical passing game. Um, whereas you go into the northern Europe and, you know, England, um, you know, where it's a colder climate, a wetter climate, it tends to be a more physical, longer ball game, faster paced. So I kind of grew up with that, you know, that, that kind of possession based style. Um, there's a big, there was a big, Afri you know, in, in South Africa, the, the sports for the African um, is, uh, is soccer and boxing. Those are their two sports. So soccer is their life and blood. So, you know, they have, they had a huge influence on the sport as well. And, and then, you know, breaking down the, the country, the leagues joined. So I was exposed to, you know, an African style of play, which is very, very tricky, skillful, quick passing, dribbling. You know, that it's kind of it's kind of exciting to watch. It can be fun to watch. So um, that was how I was kind of raised in the game, which coming up through my dad was really the total opposite which was a real physical long ball type of game, you know, direct, direct as we would right. call it. Um, and that type of a possession game really suited my style because physically it was half me to compete in the other style. So, you know, you're going to stick to what works for yourself for sure. So that, that was kind of what I adopted. I played for one or two coaches that really had a big influence on me over there. Clyde Barker was excellent. Um, he was all about getting the ball down and play. Um, Dave Forsyth, the late Dave Forsyth was great for me. Um, and then Stan Lepart when I eventually played professionally and moved up to Arcadia, played there. He was a great proponent of getting it down, playing, um, playing the game in what we believe is the right way. Right. And um, that always stuck with me. So when I did get into coaching, it was just it was, it was just natural that I was going to you know bring those kind of beliefs into um, what I want, how I wanted my team to play. Right. So um, you know, so we've talked about certainly the recent success that we've had. You know, going back to really our transition through the Division One to Division Three. Yep. But I really would like to spend a little time, you know, uh, an opportunity to talk about Garth Stamp. Uh, Garth certainly is the guy who put Oneana State soccer on the map, uh, so to speak, with the success that he had uh, recruiting international players. Uh, and certainly, you know, it was unfortunate he, he, we lost him earlier this year. But when, can you talk about his influence on you? And, and I mean, he was at every game. You, you look across yeah. the field and there's Garth sitting in his chair just watching yeah. the game. And I'm sure he had plenty of comments and he would always maybe make some suggestions, but maybe talk about him as, as, as an influence and maybe as a person. So Yeah. You know, he was one of the first people I met when I first came up. I ended up moving in with him. He became my landlord over all the years. Um, I really, really got close with him, uh, close with his children. Who are really, they're all wonderful people, um, as nice of people as you'll ever meet. Um, you'll never hear anyone say a bad word about Garth. Um, you know, I got close to him. Um, obviously, 
from a soccer point of view, um, you know, the errors, errors change a little bit. But I think one thing he always liked was the way we played because he believed in that. He loved to see the outside backs going forward. Um, that was his one thing he'd always talk to me about. And that's lucky. Luckily, that's how we played. Right. I would hate it if we didn't play that way. But, um, you know, we'd, I'd go back and, um, you know, we'd sit down usually on Monday, Tuesday, I'd go sit down after lunch with him and we'd talk about the go over the game and things he liked and things he didn't like. And um, it was amazing. He was always spot on. And, uh, you know, we can, I would say to him, you know, what do you think? And if we didn't play well, it would be, <laughs> let me show you my hunting dogs, you yeah, know, because yeah. the hunting dogs, this, this team have yeah. got to be like hunting dogs when the whistle blows. But those would be rare occasions. And for the most part, especially with the last 10 years, I mean, he just loved every second of it. The boys loved him. Um, and, you know, he would give me pointers and things that maybe you miss. And it's, you can always learn from anybody. It's amazing. Um, even people that aren't soccer people, I will go and, you know, chat to them after games and always ask them, what did you think? What did you think? And, uh, you know, you'll get a lot of advice that you, yeah, you just kind of pass on that. But points will come up that get you thinking. And um, yeah. all of that, I think, helps you as a coach. And uh, he was certainly somebody that um, he taught me how to be patient as well. You know, you uh, as I'm aging now, I'm naturally getting more, Easy, easier going, but you know when you first start out and you're younger, you're you're, you're really enthusiastic, um, and you sometimes you need to take a step back, start let it sleep overnight, let it think, calm down, and then maybe handle situations. Um, but it was a great resource for me from that side, handling the boys, handling situations that would come up, um, because he would always seem like always give you that logical, calm, thought out response. You know, whereas sometimes as a coach, you're reacting on the spot. And, yeah. You know, you're reacting to the to the player um, or the situation that's happened. So he was brilliant for me there. Really, really good to learn from him. Um, you know, and just the, the 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 admiration his players had for him. You know, because I'm quite close with some of those alums that I wasn't here when they played for Garth or were around, and um, I'm still quite close with some of them. Talk to them and. Um, they had absolutely idolized him, you know, and he came from a basketball background, oh, no. not, not a soccer playing background. Yeah. And sometimes athletes can uh, look down on that a little bit, you yeah. know, but not yeah. one of them. They just absolutely idolized him. And uh, he, he, was a, he was a real hero to all of them. And, um, you know, this losing him was a huge, huge loss. Um, you know, it was, it was really sad, but I think – for me to see the reaction of all the alums that came back and when they spoke about him at the service and the things they say. And to this day, you know, we're still, unfortunately this year we had a lot of tributes planned for him, you know, the season and right. with the season, losing the season, we're going to have to postpone those moving forward. But okay. um, yeah, tremendous influence yes. on, on. Yeah, certainly his legacy will live on forever because he really, yeah, okay. when people think of Oneana soccer, they, you know, think of Garth and certainly I think you've been able to carry on a lot of that tradition and heritage uh, that was kind of maybe established during that time, the 70s, 80s, you know, that yeah. 60s uh, guys. And yeah, we do know that they're loyal. They, they love this place. They yeah. love Oneana. They love Garth. And, and I think they say the same thing about you as well. I mean, I think you've been able to, you know, when we say bridge the gap, a lot of old players, you know, the new coach comes in and they're like, yeah, whoever, you know what I mean? Like they don't really, but I think you've been able to to maintain yeah. that connection, which I think is a tribute to you as well. So, so we thank you for that, and certainly we want to thank you for coming on. Now, I'm going to try and come up. I want to end the show a little fun. We'll have a little fun here uh, before we sign fun off. Fun for who? 
Well, fun it'll be you, fun, fun for both me. of us. It'll be good. Um, so just kind of like five quick questions, and I just first thing that pops into your head, just just give us a little uh, little okay. answer. Uh, so what's your favorite meal? Meal? Yep. Um, meal, meal. Well, I'm a salads guy, but um, being an onion, I've got to go for the world-famous cold cheese, cold, <laughs> cold cheese pizza. Okay. Uh, slice of cold cheese pizza. Uh, do you have a favorite movie? movie Shawshank Redemption oh okay I like the Bourne, Jason Bourne series but Shawshank's my number one okay uh, do you have a favorite genre of music um, you know it's funny I'm actually listening to reggae music right now there you go. <laughs> a collection of reggae but okay. um, yeah usually some type of uh, jazz you know easy okay. going yep good stuff good stuff uh, do you have a favorite athlete who's your favorite athlete all time Favorite athlete all time. Uh, favorite athlete all time. Muhammad Ali would be my favorite athlete of all time. Okay, good one. Even now, watch some of the old fights on YouTube. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Loved, loved him today. Uh, last one. Place you'd most like to visit. Most like to visit. Um, the office where they hand out the lottery winnings. Um, <laughs> place. Actually, Germany. I'd like to go to Munich. I've been to the, I've done the, the Spain, the British. I'd like to go buy Munich. Go and have a, have a look around Munich um, in the summertime. So I'll say that. All right. Okay. Well, listen, Ian, we'd like to thank you for taking time out of your day to come in and join us and kick off our new show, The Ozone. So, you know, thanks for all, for all that you do at the college and, and what you've been doing for our soccer program. Yeah, thanks for having me, Jeff. Okay. And uh, we'd like to thank you for joining us. And we also, you know, we hope that you will continue to join us on a regular basis as we add more shows uh, to The Ozone. Uh, so we'd like to thank you for joining us and be with us next time in the Ozone.